All right, welcome back. Now we're going to switch the conversation to something that is very, very important to, I believe, a lot of parents now. Uh, schooling. A lot of schools were, of course, forced to close down because of the, uh, the pandemic. Uh, even before the lockdown was imposed, a lot of kids have been at home. Um, and schools are trying to find innovative ways to continue, you know, teaching students uh, at home. I'm going to be joined now by founder for teachforall.org, Folawe Omikunle, uh, to talk about, you know, the new ways uh, <laughs> these this things are working. How are you doing, Folawe? Hi, Ebuka. I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on the show. And it's Teach for Nigeria. Teach, Teach for, Nigeria. for Nigeria. I beg your pardon. Sorry about that. Now, I wanna, this is a very important topic even to me because, I mean, I have children as well. And a lot of parents I know uh, are at a point where they are even complaining now that, you know, it looks like teachers are giving them the burden of now teaching the students. They have to sit there with their children through Zoom classes and all of these things. You know, um, I know we're trying to make do with, with, with what we have. You know, some people are using Zoom. Some schools even use WhatsApp, you know, to, to sort of communicate with, with children and, you know, teach them through these times. Um, how feasible are those platforms, you think, and how sustainable are they? No, thank you very much, Evoca. And I think, I mean, this pandemic has thrown us into really unplanned times. I don't know that um, even the most powerful minister for education, you know, has a playbook or a manual to this situation. And I think, you know, now more than anything, we're, we're in uncertain times, but I think it's even going to be more uncertain post the pandemic. And to your point, you know, there's definitely a silver lining there. We saw how once the schools closed down in March, a lot of private schools, which will form, say, 10%, you know, of our schooling population in the country, they transitioned to online and distance learning. And they did that because, you know, they have the luxury of the leadership, you know, to do that. They have the luxury of infrastructure. Um, an example is um, a private school, for example, in, um, in Victoria Island, that immediately took stock of, like, you know, devices at home for families, like, who even have access to laptops, like, devices to use. Do they even have like a parent sharing the laptop with the children, that sort of information. You know, as a parent working at hospitals or in like essential jobs, so they have the time to support the children. And so they have the luxury to even do that. But then the pressure on parents is real. And, you know, I've always been one of those who thought, yes, for education to work effectively, we need support from parents, we need support from the school, and then obviously the students as well. So it's like a tripod that has all these three guys. But we think that for the longest time, parents have absorbed their responsibility to the schools and they just expect that the schools will do everything and you have lesson teachers who will come and support where parents couldn't support and but now we're in a time when you know we're all practicing social distancing that can no longer happen so parents are being forced to support their children I think that what a lot of private schools are doing is like training parents too. So they've set up WhatsApp groups, they've um, set up different groups where parents are getting on calls, they're updating them, you know, they're encouraging them and they're providing the support needed for them to, uh, you know, to support their children. And we're seeing that and we're still seeing that some teachers and some schools, even private schools, are still struggling, you know, with just adapting, you know, they're struggling with using some of the platforms and they're also struggling because it's gone beyond just providing the content because the content is almost available everywhere online. So it's almost like the role of the teachers are shifting and the roles of parents are equally shifting. And there's, there, I mean, we, we, I feel like we're still trying
trying to figure it out. We're still just all going. We don't even know if the children are learning indeed, because you know we're not really able to fully understand how to assess it. I, I don't know that we've fully gotten this picture and we fully understand how to make this work, but then you see that at least there is some effort happening with like the private schools and private education. I like, I like the fact that you've touched on something that I, I was going to ask next, because you've talked about, you know, the fact that it's a select few people who are even, who have the luxury, you know, of this online classes, like you've mentioned. A good majority of the population in Nigeria is poor, go to public schools, and a lot of these public schools might not have these amenities. Um, I think it was the Akita State Government, I, I can't, I, I'm not sure now, who was talking about, you know, setting up radio stations or something, where they would now disseminate uh, information or give sort of radio classes, you know, to students. I don't know how, is this something that's, that could serve as an alternative, for example, and is it something that can be rolled out in so short a time across the country, for example, for a lot of, the majority of Nigerian children? And is it not something that could also continue even after something like this ends? Thank you so much, Ebuka. And this, the sector where, the space where I work in is really in the public sector. And this is a space where for the longest time, everybody has been talking about the issues and the challenges facing education in that space. And we left from since 2013 to a point where Nigeria has had the largest number of out-of-school children in the world since 2013. You know, we said, it's, it, you know, UNESCO said it was 10.5 million. Now it's about 13.5 million. There's always a debate of whether or not it's up to that or whether it's more than that. But that was one reality there. I think what has happened with this pandemic is not that it's, we're not dealing with COVID-19. We're dealing with issues that already existed in the system, inequality issues, inequity issues, that are now being amplified, that COVID-19 is now sh shining its light on. So for example, in the space where I work in, the children do not have the luxury of you know, devices. I mean, some of the parents don't even have Android phones. Some of them don't even have mobile phones. They don't even have television. There's no power in the community where they live in. There is no um, 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 connectivity. There is, there is no access to broadband or service even on the mobile phone in some of those communities. And yes, there's a place for radio and television because you know, that is better penetrated into some of the communities. But then it's not just, again, this is to the point of, it's not just about delivering the math, science, English, you know, and all the different subjects on radio. It's also how do you ensure that it's actually engaging? How do you ensure that the children are actually learning? And so um, just to the work that we do, I run an organization called Teach for Nigeria. And what we do is we recruit fresh graduates and young professionals, and we train and place them to teach in high need schools and underserved schools across Nigeria. And we do work in Lagos and in Kaduna State. And some of the things that I've heard the teachers say is, I'm not able to even reach to my parents of my child because they haven't had power in two weeks and I can't connect to them by phone. So these children are not even learning. A lot of the children in some of these schools, they rely on school even for nutrition. So right now there's so much more pressure on their parents because they're not able to feed their children. And then so you and then majority of the children too who are in school before don't even have access to learning aids or learning materials. They don't have no books, textbooks. And so how can you, you know, yes, maybe leverage the radio, but then how do you really ensure that they're learning? And so one of the things that some of the teachers have shared with me who are in our program is that we're talking to um, to, to clerics and we're talking to mosques and churches who have paging system, who have speakers, you know, in their in their buildings, and they're currently not using the buildings. Maybe what we could do is pre-record lessons and have that beaming through the community, like during the day, you know, and then have that 
the children social distance while they're listening and while they're learning. I think, you know, we really need to start thinking creatively about how to ensure that majority, which is about 80 to 90% of our children in this country, continue to be engaged and continue to learn. And I think that can only happen through partnership. And this is where leadership comes in, Ibuka. The states and, and the leaders that are doing things, and so, for example, I say Lagos State and Inugu State, where I've seen exemplary leadership, you know, they are thinking in the short term, they're thinking in the mid-term and long-term. So, for example, with, with Lagos State, as soon as the pandemic um, started and the schools were shut down, they started engaging TV stations, their local TV, radio stations. They started looking at ways to train teachers. Lagos State recently just launched a program to ensure that, you know, the school feeding program continues. And so, through their state universal basic education, they're finding ways to ensure that the children continue to receive their meals and they continue to receive food, feeding. You know, so I'm just, I'm wondering how much of that is happening across the state and across the country. But then what I know is that if we're not careful, you know, this pandemic will have the, could, could potentially scale the inequities that already exist in the system. All right. All right, thank you very much, Falawe. I mean, it's such a, it's a topic that probably we need to call you back to talk more about because a lot of parents are worried and just wondering how, you know, life is going to be going forward. And work is supposed to start tomorrow. How do they go to work? How do they keep their children at home? Like, it's, thank you very much. We'll probably have to call you back. Thanks for joining us today. And please stay safe.